Welcome to the Freedom from the Yes Buts and If Only's workshop meeting. My name is Pat. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, everyone. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference that will not mine be done. Before we get started, uh, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. And this session is being taped. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember, OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in the room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. Okay, and um, I'd like to announce that the silent auction and boutique are um, open, and um, they're in the uh, Scalini room. So if you are free after this and you want to bid or buy, you can go there. Um, The format of this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. An ask-it basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for our panelists. And the topic for this session, I just mentioned it and closed it, but it's the yes buts and if onlys. Um, Our first speaker is Colleen G. Thank you, Pat. Hi, I'm Colleen. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, Just wanted to say welcome to everybody and um, happy Fourth of July weekend. I'm excited to be here. This is my third convention. Um, My first was Sacramento and uh, then Palm Springs last year and now Burlingame. So it's good to be at my third one. Just to qualify, I've been in the program since February 6, 2012, and I have a recommitted abstinence date of February 15th, same year, 2012, and um, I'm maintaining around a 50-pound weight release. Um, So what brought me into uh, OA How um, were many things, but um, health was one of um, a main one for me. I wasn't terribly ill with anything, no life-threatening illnesses, but I had, um, for starters, a heel spur, and I could barely walk on one of my um, feet. So I invested all this money on eBay, and I bought all these this certain type of orthopedic shoe, and and that started the um, kind of the yes buts and, and if onlys for me, and. Um, 
you know, if anyone asked me about my shoes or whatever, I would say yes, but I have a heel spur, and you know, I, the, I, this is the way I have to um, walk now, and I need these type, this type of shoe. And um, I also, there's diabetes in my family. My grandmother had diabetes. Um, my uncle had to have two of his legs amputated, both of his amp- legs amputated from diabetes. He wasn't a large man, but still, you know, it, it's um, a life-threatening illness, I think. Um, and I, I really got serious with um, looking at my own weight when that happened to him, too. Um, I also had a family member who uh, had, at the time, recently gone into prison. And I sat around, um, you know, getting larger, eating, watching TV, and thinking, you know, what am I doing here? You know, I got someone over there who has no choice. They're just sitting there and um, would probably love to be up and do 50 million different things. And look at me. I'm just sitting here day in and day out um, with my same routine, going to bed early, making my snacks, my extra meals to make sure that I, I, you know, have all my food to last me until I shut my eyes to go to sleep. So um, I was blessed in the fact that I didn't have a weight problem growing up. My weight came on after I got married and had kids. And I have four kids. I have um, beautiful children. They're uh, two girls, 16-year-olds and a fifth, almost 15-year-old, and twin boys are 12. And um, a really great husband as well, although I think through, I can see this now, but through my um, illness, you know, self-pity, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. And so anyway, all the weight started to come on. And, um, you know, I made a lot of yes buts and if onlys. Um, the weight came on. Family members and friends used to say, um, you know, wow, you were really um, thin. You were so thin. Remember back in high school? I remember um, before kids, you were so beautiful and so thin. They would never tell me that I was fat. But um, I knew what they meant. And some of that fueled me to, to say, you know what, I can get back there. But it hurt. And, and more than one person was saying, well, here's a picture of you. Remember this? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I really, be, I really need to do something here. So that was a vanity thing, and they say, you know, we came for the vanity and we stayed for the sanity, and that's and that's true for me. Um, but so the pictures, you know, that that did work with my head, my ego, and maybe that was a good thing at the time because I wanted to get back there. I didn't think I would actually get back as thin as I used to be, but um, something told me I could find something that was possible. Um, my mom came to me one time and said, you know, Colleen, the family's starting to ask questions about you. And they're asking me, is everything okay with Colleen? And um, uh, 
because I'm I was getting bigger and bigger. And at the time also, because I had all you know, so many kids and just wanted to keep an even keel. I didn't want to go off on anybody. Um, lots of people told me it would be good an, a good idea to go on medication. So I did. And so when my mom came to me and said, you know, people are, family's starting to ask, is everything okay? I would, there, there goes a, another yes, but. Um, yes, but I'm on medication. You know, that's why I look like this. That's why my face is bloated up like this. It's not me. It's the medication. And if I go off this medication... I don't know what kind of a person I'm going to be. So, you know, that was me justifying that. Um, Also, the picture thing. You know, that was a long time ago. Yes, but that was a long time ago. Um, Yes, but I'm big boned. I've always been a big girl. And you guys even told me I was. So, you know, now you're, you know. Anyway, it was always everybody else's fault but my own. Um, I had a few friends who had money, and I would think, gosh, you know, if I had her money, if only I had her money, I could get the fresh meals delivered to my door daily, you know, the ones I don't have to cook. Not to mention I did waste the 200 and whatever dollars on the ones that are delivered to, you know, the, that you um, send away for, and you cook yourself and you microwave, and they're really bad. But if I ha- if only I had the fresh ones, then I know I would do it. If only I had a personal trainer, all that. I did go through all that. Um, and then back to my husband. If only my husband paid more attention to me or supported me in my weight loss journey. But, um, you know, and, and I, f- I do feel bad with that because it was, I see now it was me. It wasn't him. Um, but anyway, so... You know, all this, the family member in prison, my uncle having both legs amputated from diabetes that runs in the family. And um, so I knew I had to do something. And I do believe my higher power God led me to the computer that one day. And I found a OA How group in my hometown. I live in a kind of a small town. It's growing, but um, I, I knew that there was, you know, I was like, well, you know, that's not coincidence there. So um, I knew it would be free because I was in another 12-step um, program maybe almost 20 years ago for somebody else's problem, not my own. So that's how God laughs, you know, is is now here I was looking for a program for myself. Um, so... Uh, I think that um, coming to the meetings, um, I remember the the first meeting I attended in Modesto on a Monday night in January, end of the month. Um, Everything I hated about all the other programs, food programs I belonged to, it was, you know, more so in this program. (laughs) Calling your sponsor, um, getting a sponsor, calling them daily, uh, committing my food. Um, it just sounded really crazy, and I, you know, all the journaling of the food, and then I have to answer questions, and I have, you know, don't you understand, I have four kids, and I homeschool, and, um, you know, there there was just a lot, but um, so still I had the yes, buts, and if onlys, but what helped is I kept coming to the meetings, and I kept looking at everyone, standing up, qualifying, and I thought, okay, if they're doing it, I can do it. And and um, they say in this program that our character 
um, defects can mask, you know, our, or character assets can mask as character defects and vice versa. So that was, that's a good part of me is I, I believe that, um, uh, you know, I do what I'm told. I'm a really good doer and I just kept coming back and, um, because I was told to, I kept calling because I was supposed to, I kept answering the questions because I didn't know I had, I didn't have an option, you know, and, um, thank God for that because, uh, I'm here today because of that. Um, so, uh, I think that, um, I, I would look at other people and, um, say, well, I can't lose that much weight. I don't think I will get to my goal because of this. And um, my, maybe I could try to go sort of by my goal. And because um, that can work for her, but that's not going to work for me because, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to get to that weight. Um, a lot of back and forthness in my, in my mind. Um, so I did. I got to my goal. I went below my goal. And... Um, I see, I don't have any pictures of myself in the book that's going around of me. Um, I don't think I put any at goal. Those are just before, right? I don't see any. And um, I wish I would have put one in there of me when I got to below goal. Because now I feel like um, I'm good now with where I am. Some days I don't think I'm good. And I think that will be a constant struggle that I deal with that on a daily basis. Um, I think that um, some other uh, yes, but, and if onlys with the program were the no alcohol in hell. And I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't drink a lot. But when I went out, I wanted to have a drink. And did this mean I'm never going to be able to toast again with anybody? And what if I want to go out with the girls and have fun? Or um, So that was, a, that was a big one. A lot of in the beginning when I came, I was like, you know what, I'm going to come to lose my weight, but I'm not going to stay because, uh, I'm going to, I ha I'm so busy, you know, these people like coming to meetings, but I don't think they're very busy like I am. And, uh, you know, or maybe they're bored. I don't know, because I, I need to lose my weight and get on. So anyway, um, I'm so glad that lasted for a little time. And, um, and there's days where it's still, it's hard to get to a meeting. And like I said, I have one in my hometown. I don't have to drive too far to get to one. Um, it's actually right around the block from where I live. So there's no excuse. And um, But sometimes it feels like the, it's miles away, you know, when I'm driving. And then it's always better when I get there. Um, uh, and as far as the alcohol goes, I... After I gave that up, and a lot of people in the group told me, just for today, you know, don't overwhelm yourself and think of what am I going to do for the next 10 years or five years or year or week. It's just for today. So when I think like that and when with the help of everyone in the group, it, it, it puts things in perspective. Um, one of the things I love um, about the big book, is the nine step promises. 
And um, one line from those promises says, um, we will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. And that was me. Um, I was always baffled by any situation. I, I, I didn't really have the self-confidence. I didn't um, know if my ideas were as good as your ideas. And a lot of time, I think I did grow up thinking, your comfort is more important than mine. You know, I can't be comfortable because that person there probably that, you know, the seat that they're sitting in here, maybe they should have been, you know, two seats down for me. It was really, it's really crazy. The emotional things that we carry around in our heads. And that's the one thing I still deal with, but it's so much better. So I love um, the promises, even though I didn't understand them when I got here and um, we kept reading them at meetings and finally I got it. And, um, and I'm not saying I got the program. I'm still learning every day. But um, little things, you know, will be revealed to us. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, I think that uh, for me, like I said, it's, it's more emotional. The physical is why I came. And now I stay and I sponsor. And um, I get so much for sponsoring a a few people try to talk me into sponsoring, and I wasn't ready, and I didn't want to do it. And, um, again, I I read in the big book, you know, you can't keep your recovery unless you give it away. So as soon as I heard that, I was on board. I was like, all right, let's go. I'm going to do what I can. Um, this program has really helped me grow up and not be such a doormat anymore, and it's helped me um, – when I sponsor, these people are listening to me, and it, they're not actually listening to what I'm saying if I'm speaking program, and I'm just trying to bring them up the way I came up in the program, and um, I've had a lot of sponsors leave, and there's a few that I've had to let go, which for me, I don't. that would have been the meanest thing in the world before, but now I understand that if my program's being negatively affected by someone else's, I need to voice it and change it. Um, so getting back to the yes, buts and if onlys, I still have them. Some days, you know, I look for towards my higher power in the group and they kind of pull me out of myself and get me back on the, just for today, just in this moment. And, um, and now when I have uh, the yes, buts, and if onlys, a lot of times are when people ask me, um, you know, about are you still in this program? Are you still eating this way? And I, and I get to say yes, but I, if you only knew, I need this program. Those are my yes, buts. Yes, but I need this program. This program makes me a better person. And if only you would understand that when I'm able to share my story with other people, um, that's the message that the program is, out, is um, asking me to share. So thank you, guys. Thank you. And our next speaker is Mona. Hi, I'm Mona. I'm a compulsive eater. 
what I can tell you is that if only I wasn't a compulsive overeater, you wouldn't be here. So look what you'd be missing. Um, I can tell you that, uh, what could I say? It was all about, if only I had that, and I, I was always afraid, if what happens if I don't get that? And I forgot about right here, right now, in this moment, to be grateful for what was given to me right in there, in that moment. I know that when I project, that I look into yesterday, trying to redo what's been done. You can't redo what's what's been done, but you surely can begin again. And I've learned that through working the steps. I've learned that I can begin on any given moment. That nothing is set in stone. I live a life of my choices today. And that's what, what truly what I gave up when I was out there. You know, I believe that I didn't have a choice. I believed that my circumstances for my living was always going to be like that. And that the pain that I felt around that would never go away. And today what I know is that just in this moment, that everything passes, good and bad, honey. Trust me, good and bad. You know, I can tell you that I used to live across the street from Disneyland and I had passes to go. This is true. We had passes to go to Disneyland anytime we wanted to. You get tired of Disneyland. (laughs) You get tired. Who who knew, huh? That you get tired of Disneyland. Because I have experienced both sadness and great joy. But I had to have the sadness in order to experience the great joy. And to be uh, grateful for that moment of what I had, you know. What I've learned in this program is that I had no sense focus. I had no focus. Everything was a big deal. Everything. Because everything centered around, if only I was younger, if only my hair was longer, if only I was thinner, if only I was smarter, if only, if only, if only. You know, then as I got more arrogant in my older age, it was, but don't they know who I am? Don't they know the life I'm doing? Don't they know what I am doing? You know, did I, did I believe in unconditional love? Hell no. Everything, I always had expectations of everything. And what that expectation led to was a lot of resentment. There's not, the on, there, there's not only the if-onlys and the buts, there's the shoulds. For me, I don't say should because should brings up remorse. And for me, I beat myself up enough. You know, when I say should, it means that I am regretful that I did not do that. Today I say I could have, which means opportunity to do it better the next time. Thus, a new beginning, a new way of doing it. That's what this program gives me on a daily basis, a new way of doing it. When I clean, when I trust God, clean house and serve others, I have a life worth meaning. I did not have purpose when before I came into these rooms of recovery. You know, I thought I was just a bump on the log. Nobody knew, nobody cared, but I was making everybody miserable by the things I was doing and not doing. That is truly um, 
so misleading. I'm thinking, oh, I'm not doing anything to hurt anybody. Anybody who loved me was hurt by the things I was doing to myself. You know, the things that I settled for, the things that, you know, uh, what I've learned is that when I thought I was a piece of nothing, that's just what I brought into my life was a lot of nothing. And that's what I settled for. Nothing. As I grew through working my steps and changing my behavior, because truly, that's all it truly is, is my behavior and my ability, which is God's grace, to have a meaningful relationship with others. At the begin, that starts with my higher power, myself, and people in general. The unity, you know, because we are all connected. You know, don't ever think that what you do does not affect someone else. Your sheer presence in this room gives hope to anybody who walks in here. You know, that there's a solution out there, honey, I'm the problem. In these rooms, I am part of the solution. I am in a fellowship that gives me more than um, people. Like I said, if I wasn't a compulsive eater, look what I'd be missing. I, I used to hear the people say, uh, I am a grateful compulsive eater. And I'd go, ah, ah. <laughs> what are they talking about? And now I feel it in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit. Because look what we've been missing. I would still be stuck. But if they only knew the sorrow I've seen. Oh, honey, the worst thing i got to worry about today is what I'm going to wear to my next meeting. <laughs> you know, why? Because there's no more big deals for me today. And I'm not going to tell you when that will happen. I'm going to tell you that it does happen. You continue on this road to recovery. You practice your principles. You work your steps. And sooner or later, over time, the steps start working you. When I talk to my sponsors or when I'm speaking and they go, oh, that was, you know. And I said, you know what? I said, as God speaks through me, he talks to me. Because no sooner I say something to one of my sponsors, like, you know, they get all excited. And, I can't do this. You know, and I think can't just means you won't. And, you know, stay, you know, stay in the now, pause, breathe, pray. And no sooner they leave, something happens and I can be ranting and raving in my head and acting all crazy. And then all of a sudden I hear that little voice that says, Mona. Pause, breathe, pray. So like I said, as my higher power speaks through me, he talks to me. You know, this is where I've learned to grow up. And, you know, I can't say, well, if only I was younger or if only I would have I came in 10 years ago. Oh, honey, what I tell them now, you're right on time. And you are right on time. And you are where you're supposed to be. Have no fear, no worries. We're doing what we're meant to be doing all in God's time. Because trust me, I don't think I, if I would have came in any sooner, I would not have been ready and I would have left. I had to come in through another 12-step program in order to get here. I already had double-digit years in that program. And thank God there was other women that were coming to this program. And I saw this wonderful transformation of this woman. 
And I was so deeply moved and impressed. And I asked her what she was doing with herself. And she said that she was coming here to how Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, oh, well, maybe I ought to go check that out. Because, you know, by then, doing all those other things that I was doing, even though I had recovery, but I mean, all the pills, potions, uh, exercise equipment, magic hula hoop, and um, what have you. You know, and I had them all. Trust me, I had them all because I used to work nights and I'd watch the infomercials on TV. And that's when that's when they get you when you're in that la la land, you know. And all you have to do is press number one on the dial, and it's immediately there. And we're going to ship overnight for a hundred and fifty dollars. And you say yes, anything, anything, you know. But what I learned was that when the weight started to return, because I didn't have to have twelve step recovery behind this disease and this is truly what it is it's the disease of being in the body that i'm in it is the disease in living the life that i am living or not having the ability to cope with life or the choices that have to be made because don't you know i didn't have a choice you know don't you know that i have to eat because my grandmother told me to or you know that when we cooked family meals it was for days it wasn't just for the meal it was for days you know and i mean what did you do i I can remember just sleeping and waking up and eating like you know thanksgiving i would get comatose and you know and when i came into this program and i changed my food and i realized dang i'm not such a moody biatch anymore i'm i'm kind of mellowing out here and, you know, I was single then, so nobody got to tell me. But the people in the rooms did. You know, but they just always thought I was just so sweet and normal. But, you know, of course I wasn't. It's the cat and the dogs that suffered. Um, you know, but it's like what I've learned is that that all of a sudden that calm feeling when my food got right, it was far different from my recovery from um, – alcohol and drugs and I thought that was the bomb I mean I thought oh, I can do this you know and and you know what with that it's absolute with my food it is entirely different it's like telling me as an alcoholic giving me a drink and saying only drink half you know but when they tell me don't have any at all I can do that just don't put it in my sight don't put it from here to there and I won't reach for it you know, but my food, if you don't eat this, you're going to die. What is that? That means that I live a life of my choices. I live a life of my choices. What I have to find is balance. Who has balance? That took me a long time to have balance because I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. There was always the yo-yo diet, the scale going up and down, the mood swings going up and down. Today, I kind of live even keel. Who knew it was possible? I surely didn't. I surely didn't. But it's through recovery. It's through um, the long, having a higher power that I believe gives me everything on a daily basis. And it's a higher power of my own choosing. I come from a religious background, but that had nothing to do with how my spirituality today it has changed enormously. And so has my, that image of my higher power. 
I can tell you I see my higher power and hear my higher power through each one of you because I believe each one of us has a message. My message might not be for everybody, but for that one person that it might be, that's what I'm here for. And trust me, never discount what you have to say or give. Somebody is waiting. That's what the program has taught me. That's what these steps has showed me. You know, because I've learned from each and every one of you. And sometimes you don't even have to say a word. I have learned deep compassion and tolerance. But most of all, I have deep compassion and tolerance for myself. Through loving you, I have learned to love myself and achieved self-worth and self-assurance. And that I belong in the world. And that I am connected to you. And I, we help each other. That's what we're here for. There's no other reason. There's no other reason why I been, haven't been saved. That's the reason why I have been saved. That's what I truly believe. And that's the life that I live today. My job downsized uh, a couple months after I got married for the second time. I came home, you know, a couple months. Mm, I lost my job. They said I can do this or that. But he, my husband said, no, don't do that. And here's me because, you know, don't you know, I was always busy and I always work long hours. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I laid on the couch for three days. He'd come home and he said, gee, honey, don't you, you know. But I was so depressed because I didn't realize I still had that workaholic in me. And then all of a sudden I thought about the things I used to say. I used to say, oh, if only... I didn't work so many hours and I wasn't so tired. Then I'd be out and I'd be sponsoring tons of women and I'd be, you know, going here and there and everywhere to every meeting. If only. And so all of a sudden that was removed. And on the third day I woke up and I said, you know what, it's time to get my little fanny to a meeting. And it's time for me, please God, help me find a sponsee. And you know what, I got to the meeting and I got myself a sponsee that day. And I believe that, you know, I go to a lot of meetings because I, I'm one of the blessed ones that's been duly blessed and I have to maintain recovery in both rooms. So I'm very high maintenance, as my husband would say. And you know what? To me today, that's a blessing. I have put down my ifs and my buts and my shoulds. And I say could and can't just means I won't. And I do. This is a program about, it's not who want it, not who need it, but who are willing to work it. This is a a program of action, not just kicking back and doing it. It's more than abstinence. It is physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. And you know, and it comes when, when it comes. Be patient. Do it one day at a time and look around and be grateful, my friend, because you have found these rooms. There's so many that don't. Thank you. Thank you, Mona. Uh, is the Ask It Basket going around? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Well, there's there's one going around in the back, so. Um, and now... Mary will join us and tell us about her thoughts. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Mary. And it's good to be here. 
and see friendly faces. Um, the topic of the meeting I was told was the how concept and how that applies to me. And um, I tried to do everything I could possibly do not to come to how OA because <laughs> it's, it's not an easy program, I don't think. I mean, it's, if I'm willing to do it. But my, my qualifications are I came into Overeaters Anonymous in San Diego, Kensington meeting on Wednesday night in 1976. And I remember very clearly the night I came in, it was a regular OA meeting. We did gray sheet. And I went up to the woman after the meeting who spoke that said things from the podium. I was just horrified, she shared. But everybody laughed. And I asked her where to join, and they picked a sponsor out for me because I also whispered to her that I think I knew I had a problem with alcohol. I was a raging alcoholic addict, and, and, but I also weighed 258 pounds, and my weight was the obvious presenting problem. So I was just really blessed um, with an immediate um, abstinence in OA at that time, and... But I and I quit drinking, but I forgot to tell him about the drugs I was using. So, um, <laughs> to make a long story short, you know, my abstinence lasted until, you know, for a while. What happened though? What was really powerful for me was some women in AA um, intervened on me. They decided I'd have a step study in my home, and they came to my home every Thursday. I was horrified they would come because these weird women coming up to my little middle class, you know white picket fence home and at the time I was also dealing drugs and and you know I was I looked I looked really middle class normal but I was a raging alcoholic compulsory drug addict drug dealer and these women that were in AA decided that um, they helped me have a step study in my home and they um, helped me find my way back to Overeaters Anonymous they just and they also found me getting my um, abstinence and um, lack of drug use in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'm one of those people that went to both programs from the gate. I I had no choice, Um, except that I hated OA because AA is a lot more fun. You know, they serve food, and, (laughs) and they have dances, and they have... You know, they just a lot of fun, picnics and parties and everything was related around, you know, not drinking, but it was always related around lots of junk food, lots and lots and lots of food. And I would go to OA and I tried to stay abstinent and I used the gray sheet. And I remember back then the gray sheet had, I don't know if we're allowed to say, it had two pieces of poultry, but guess you can pick it out. And it said, so I would play the games with my food plan. I just cut that chicken right in half and call it two pieces. And, you know, just I just played with it. I played with it, played with it, played with it. And my goal was to be 190. That's all I ever wanted to be was 190. Um, at the time, I had no concept of the spiritual part of this program, no concept of the emotional part. I was one of those people that came in really, really emotionally sick. And I needed lots of outside help, and I got it. And I, I you know, would go in and out of OA. I would, you know, go in, and I'd, I'd get, get abstinent, and I'd have a sponsor, and I sponsored people. I led meetings. I did a newcomer's group. 
I did all that stuff, but I never surrendered, never surrendered to the food, never surrendered to the, to the addiction I had that was more powerful than anything I ever had in my life. It was more powerful than drugs and alcohol by far because I had to go to that den of eating every day, a couple times a day, but for me it was around the clock. So finally, what, what really happened, because I really want to talk about how and how it's impacted me. Um, you know, I've, I've been sober a long time, and and I have a lot of AA friends that over the years, um, some of them are called food buddies, you know, people you go out to eat with. And and one of them is, is now my still my sponsor currently, and we share a birthday. And it's not the same year, but the same date. So every year we go out for our birthday. And she's, she was an Al-Anon, and, you know, she was a good food buddy because she liked to eat like I did, and we had lots of fried foods and desserts to celebrate our birthday, and we had a great time. All of a sudden, she started bringing baggies to this birthday lunch or to going out to dinner with our husbands because we knew them socially, and she'd bring a bag of her vegetables and her bread and didn't order the fat food and the desserts. And I was really pissed because... <laughs> You know, she was my food friend. And, you know, and I started watching what she had and what she was doing. And so what happened was she told me about OA Howe. And I thought, oh, that's just gray sheet. You know, that's the same as it was back in the 70s and six early, I guess the late 60s. I forget when it all started. But I, I figured, you know, that's just gray sheet. Weighing and measuring the damn food. And, you know, committing the food and weighing it and, you know, because it was much easier for me, this person, just to go to OA and wing it. You know, whatever I feel like eating today, I'll try my best to be abstinent. No sugar, no flour. But, you know, I'd find myself every day pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. You know, if only I could eat, you know, Indian food, then I'm sure I can find something there that, you know, but never did. That kind of stuff. Um, what happened was I started going to the Saturday morning OA meeting in San Mateo at St. Andrews. I'd only go on the third Saturday because that was the speaker meeting downstairs because I had a resentment they ended up having to deal with um, about the meeting being upstairs. And I'm disabled and climbing those stairs. There's people in this room that can't climb those stairs. And I was resentful. Nobody bothered to go get a different room. I ended up being the one that got selected to do that later. So um, I'd only go on that third Saturday, and I'd go in late, and I'd just be pissed at everybody, especially those that raised their hand, you know, they're abstinent. And, um, and I hated the reading. Oh, I hated all that reading. Why are we reading all this crap? You know, let's get to the meat of the program. Let's talk. Um, and then, you know, the qualifying. I hated the qualifying because it's like that's so self-centered. You know, it's just... And then I'd leave early, and then I'd call my friend later in the afternoon and just whine about it and tell her all the things wrong. Well, she works a good Al-Anon program, so she didn't correct me. She'd listen and go, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. And so, <laughs> Sherry, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Sherry lived this with me. And I whined a lot. I was called... Um, I was a bit of a control freak, I guess, and Sherry and I had issues together. Um, now she's my dearest Sherry. So um, what happened was I was trying so hard. I desperately, all my life I've tried everything with 
food. I've gone to treatment programs. I've done Weight Watchers. I've done everything. You know, spirulina, remember that one? Everything. And I could never, I just wanted to be 190. If I could just get to 190, I'd be happy. Because that, you know, that was a big goal is to be 190. Because I could get under 200. If I could keep it there, then I, everything would be great. You know, the whole, my whole world would work. All those emotional problems would go away. My spiritual bankruptcy would leave, you know, a, a physical recovery at 190. So I was, this was about, I guess I've been, I'm going to be abstinent six years, I think, in September for, in OA Howe. And what happened was I, I went off to an a AA women's retreat I go to every year. And it was in, a, in Pescadero Beach area. And it was the hottest summer on history there. I mean, it was like from hell. And they had a pool and they kept it closed. But, you know, I almost, if I could have walked, I would have climbed the fence. And I couldn't walk from here to there. And I have MS. I have a progressive disease that keeps me from walking a lot and standing up straight. And that weekend with the heat and the fatigue, because I never sleep at these things, I was just dying. I was dying. And if, if you guys, anybody in here goes to, you know, I know some go to other 12-step programs, it's the weekend where everybody that binges brings everything they've ever binged, need to binge on to the retreat because they only do it once a year. Normal people do that, you know, like they bring all the things they've been wanting to eat and all of a sudden they're all there. And, you know, there I am just, you know, in the kitchen binging my brains out that weekend from hell. It was so hot, couldn't walk. I had friends here that had to go and get my meals for me up at the, up at the camp. Um, kitchen and bring it back because I couldn't make it up there. I was dying. I was turning 60. My MS was progressing. And I was turning 30 years sober, I think, somewhere in there. And when I went to AA meetings, all I heard was the shame I was in. I heard when they talked about how it works in AA and they talked about the steps when they read the things more about alcoholism. I never heard it anymore about alcoholism. It makes me want to cry. I only heard it about my disease of compulsive overeating. I could not hear it about my alcoholism. I couldn't separate it anymore because I had so much shame about what I was doing. And so that weekend was a real critical weekend. It talks about in our how concept, it says, therefore only absolute acceptance of the OA program will offer any sustained abstinence to those whose compulsion has reached a critical level. And that was my critical level is that weekend when I couldn't, I just, I knew I was powerless. I knew that I was dying, and I knew I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember going up to my sponsor, who is not a warm lady. She's not a warm fuzzy. Um, and I just said to her, I said, I can't do it anymore. I'm not coming back next year. I'm dying. And she just held me, and I cried my eyes out. And that was on a Sunday, and I got abstinent somehow during that. No, I did. That, what happened was I called my, my friend, who's been my sponsor all these years, and I said, I need help. And she's not a drop-in friend. She never comes for visits. She's she's full-time working woman with five kids and nine grandkids and kind of busy, has a life. But she came to my house one afternoon and said, what are you going to do about it? You are dying. What are you going to do about it? And I said, I don't know, but I, I, I hate OA. I hate it. And she goes, well, you, then you need to write about it and all the things you hate about it. And I'm leaving for China for two weeks. I'll see you when I get back. I thought, well, you, you know, witch. So, <laughs> so what happened is she went off and I surrendered in that process, that two weeks. I wrote about it. I wrote all my resentments about OA How. Why I hated OA How is because I had to surrender 
to the fact I'm a, truly a compulsive overeater with a disease that is that manifests in physical, spiritual, and emotional ways, and that I was just powerless. The minute I tried to do it my way, I was off the deep end. I couldn't stop eating. I just couldn't stop. If I just decided, well, I'm going to just pretend I know how much that is, or maybe I'll just try a little bit of something with some sugar in it, I was gone. I was totally gone. I couldn't stop. So my friend comes back from her trip, and and we had a a little party at my house, um, AA kind of thing, and, and I had surrendered. And I came into OA that that Sunday or Saturday, September 2008, or I never can keep it straight. I really do need to look that up. Um, and I haven't had a compulsive slip since. Not that I'm not crazy. I am crazy still. I have a lot of still have those emotional problems. I'm still dealing with them. I still get outside help for them. I have a physical problem. I hate exercise. I hate the action plan in OA How, and I follow it to a T. Because I have to do what I don't want to do anymore if I want to recover from this disease. I, I still send my food every day to my sponsor. I do it by email, and damn it if she doesn't check it and read it and ask me where that other cup of, you know, vegetables are if I don't <laughs> put it on there. I, it's not about her. And the women I work with, I teach them that the best I can if they're ready. It's not about telling me your food. It's not about that. It's about committing it to myself and to God and to another human being. If you're committing your food to me, you know, that you're wasting your time. And I think it's a real hard concept for some people to get. You know, I really do. I think it's a difficult one is because I think we do put people on pedestals. And, but I just, I just am so grateful. I am now compulsive about weighing my food. I've tried to, because I, sometimes I get too much food. I think we get too much food. And, um, and my goal weight is 142, and I'm at my goal weight. So I went below 190. So um, I'm very proud of that, actually, because I've never in my wildest dreams ever would have thought I'd be cute or thin, not a skinny bitch. My friend Sherry, used in, I used to come into the meeting. She'd, I'd say, you're just a control freak, and she'd call me a skinny bitch. And now I'm a sweet bitch, she says. So, um, And we both still are control freaks. We're not going to give that up in this lifetime. So I'm just so grateful. What I do today is I commit my food. I do the action plan. I hate exercise. I go anyway. I have two little dogs that keep me going that I have to take them out somewhere because they – bug the hell out of me if I don't, and I take them out. I, I remain honest, open-minded, and willing to listen even when I don't want to. I pray for the collective group, group, group conscience. That is one of my problems is I'm a rebel. I want to do it differently. I want to be the exception to the rule. I, if the OA how has an idea that they want us to follow, I have a better one. And people that know me kind of just say, shut up, Mary, and um, – Let's move on. In fact, somebody just did that to me in the hallway. Somebody, in, <laughs> they really did. I, you know, I've been told how to hand intergroup a check with a form, and I don't want to do the form. And she came up to me, she forgot the form, and she hands me back the check. And I thought, oh, for God's sake. And she said, well, you asked me to tell you the truth if I think you're out of line, and this is it. Write the damn form. So <laughs> here in the, right downstairs. So, it, you know, one of the things I have, um, one of my spiritual 
angst in OA how is we a lot of people don't get past the third step. And I don't I feel there could be more emphasis, more dedication, more workshops, more everything about helping women and men with this deadly disease get past that third step and get past the fact that that there's really going to be a spiritual awakening from this disease after the end of the 12 steps. All the way along, there's going to be a spiritual awakening and the traditions. I know that I'm a traditions junkie. I love them. I love even the concepts of OA. I don't know them well, but I know them. Um, and I, I'm a rebel because in my rebelliousness, I want everybody to know them like I know them. And it's a process. It's a process. It says, to be certain, much of our strength is found in the structure of the meeting and the daily adherence to the program as it's written in the literature. So what I do with the women I work with is I give them an option. We're going to do the literature as it's written in our area. We have a new sponsor guide that we use, and I ask them if they want to use that or would they prefer to do it out of the big book, their inventory, because that's how I know how to do it. Most of the time I go ahead and do the book unless they've been through the book before, and then I do the big book. i to get my water. Three minutes. Oh, I could talk forever. Um, we firmly understand after that our recovery has begun through abstinence and taking the first three steps and our further surrender to the additional steps of recovery that promise happiness, contentment, and achievement in all of our areas. We ensure our continued and sustained abstinence from compulsive overeating by forever where God's doing for us what we've never been able to do for ourselves. I don't know how I got abstinent and stayed here except by the grace of God. I have no clue. It never, I can't even imagine I'd ever be here. And I always say to people, if you have one minute of abstinence, just one minute of it, however you get it, keep it. And and just treasure that moment you have it. I never dreamt I'd get one day and next day and the next day. It's a lot of work. Oh, way how. The weighing and the measuring and the vegetables and the chopping and the grocery shopping. You know, I earlier this year I had my shoulder replaced and some friends and friends in this room helped me get meals brought to me and I had the most amazing abstinent meals, vegetables, I had people bring me homemade soups. Just amazing how I was taken care of by the grace of God through other people. I am so gift I have so many gifts in this program that I can't even imagine I have a husband beyond my wildest dreams. We're getting real old together, and we plan on staying. We've moved to a senior community in Walnut Creek called Rossmore, and I have three pools to choose from every day, one cold, one hot, and one just right. <laughs> and I decide which one I want to go to. I have a bike that I'm just being, being able to start use again because of my shoulders. It's a big, heavy, recumbent uh, tricycle, you know, with two wheels on the back and one in the front, a big motor in the middle, and when I have to use the motor, I do. And that's all by the grace of God and being abstinent. I never, I just would have sat around whining, being fat the rest of my life. My vision of me is in a muumu, a big muumu with a can of beer in my hands. <laughs> that's my vision. That's what I saw myself becoming. And today I've got on a cute little Talbot's outfit and I got a tan and I got my hair cut and I'm looking good and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Thanks. <laughs>
We have a lot of questions here, but um, directed specifically to Mona, how much weight did you lose? I've been maintaining around a 65-pound weight Okay. And there are a couple of those. Um, the re- there are a bunch of questions here that um, are about um, what, how is, and how does the food plan work. I'll read them, and then you can, whoever wants to respond can. What is the how food plan exactly? What is qualifying? Um, and how did you get to how? Was it your first stop? And how do I respond to the questions, what is the difference between OA how and OA? And how should I go about deciding whether OA how is a better choice for me than regular OA? Why is it important to work the how program rather than straight OA program? They're all all related, and I'll leave them up here, but please um, take turns and check in. I can only speak for myself. I went to OA for 30 years, and I didn't commit to that program. Um, the difference between OA How and OA for me is three weighed and measured meals a day, nothing in between, committing my food every single day to my sponsor or to somebody, um, if I change my food, I commit that I change my food. It's um, it's a program of of very guided food plans, and I I tell the women I work with that we have a food plan, but I ask them to take it to their physician and get it approved or added something to it. Um, it's a program of action. It, it's it's very. Um, detailed with the food plan. And for me, I haven't been to regular OA in years, so I don't know what regular OA does with food plans. There used to be gray sheet and there used to be suggested food plans. But OA How is weighed and measured meals, nothing in between. And when you get to maintenance, you add foods, lose foods, you know, figure out what you can, you know, keep or not. Let me start over. On maintenance, you add new foods that are on the food plan. We have a written food plan. Um, I tried to do all the the weird stuff at first, like the nuts and the almond butters and all that, and I realized it was too complicated. All I do is add an extra grain and an extra fruit on maintenance, and I've maintained my weight for, I don't know, five years or six years, something like that. Is that answered to that? Does anybody have another question about that? You want to help, Steve? Oh, now, yes, the food plan is very specific about no flour and sugar. If you're going to do sugar, it needs to be the fifth ingredient. But I don't even do that because I don't mess with it. Is there anything else I'm missing? Cher? Okay. (laughs) I can answer a few. Good. Um, Okay. Someone had a question, what is qualifying? So from what I know is... um, it's usually when you know a how if you have abstinence if you've um you know abstained from the um stuck to the food plan and and abstained from the white flour and sugar and everything else alcohol um then and you've had 30 days or more then you get to stand up in the beginning of the meeting when we say um talk about sponsorship and so I think I did that, and somebody else did. And like I said, I'm Colleen, compulsive eater, and I've been in the program. I tell my start date, and then if I slipped, I tell um, the, the new abstinence date, meaning I became abstinent 
from those um, foods and followed the food plan as best as I could, um, according to program. And, um, and then you also say how much you've released. And we say release because we don't want to find it again. We don't want to say lost. Or that's what I was told. We don't want to say lost. It's not a wrong thing. but And then um, uh, so that, I think, is qualifying mm-hmm. to me. That's what it is. And um, so when you go to your meetings, usually the people who stand up and the people who have abstinence are able to sponsor. And um, some of us have um, availability and some of us don't. So we also say should say we're available to sponsor or at least yes i'm not available to sponsor but i'll be happy to answer any questions you have um and then there was another one um this wasn't my first stop um i you know there's somewhere in the inventory or um one of our questions that says um did you put on on um necessary demands on anybody and one of mine was when I was 40 I'm 46 now and I've been in the program for two and a half years I told my husband I wanted to go to um, uh, New York and see a Broadway play and a specific one so I said um, please can I go to New York and um, see this play and I'll lose 40 pounds you know and he was all on board okay but at the same time he was like well, you know, and I was trying to tell a member in the other program I was in. We don't usually mention programs, but, yes, I was in the other major program that you, you know, pay weekly to go to or monthly. And then they give you a food plan, but then you don't have anyone here. It's so awesome. And in regular OA, I believe also because you have a built-in sponsor. You have someone who's walking with you. And and I'm the kind of person I needed someone to hold my hand and answer all these questions. And, well, what are you eating? And, you know, can you help me? And things like that. So, and again, I followed it the way um, I was meant to. You know, I was a good follower, and that helped me get straight in the beginning. And I'm still new, but... Anyway, so that so no, it wasn't the last step, and I also tried all the um, exercise machines. So we've spent thousands, you know, of dollars trying to get me back to where I wanted to be, and everything has failed. So for me, um, no, this wasn't the last step. But I'm, I know it was God who led me um, to the computer that night because it's free. This is a free program, and really, you know, you throw a dollar or so in the donation when the basket goes around, and then you get more out of it. Right. If I stay and if I'm doing program and if I start sponsoring, I get more out of it. So. I believe that the how program works for me because I, I lack structure and discipline. Um, so, you know, because I, too, had um, come into OA, but I briefly, my stay was so brief, you know, because, you know, that wasn't working. And besides, I paid for somebody else to tell me how to eat or to give me little meals. So, you know, the OA, the HOW program definitely is my choice because I have trigger foods, you know, and to, to refrain from... Um, Sugar and flour, that's a real big deal for me because those are my favorites. <laughs> and there's so much out there. 
And um, let's see. Oh, food. What? 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 Okay, food plan. Where is that one? Not really. Let's see. One thing I wonder about that, um, the no flour, is that no, any kind of flour, like brown rice flour? I, yeah, whole grain. Yeah. Spattered grain. So it is no flour. Yeah. Yeah, or whole grain. You know, that's what I stick to now. Like, you know, I tried to slip that bread to my husband and he said I at first he was eating it because he loved me and he had stars in his eyes we were still on our honeymoon but um now he goes I'm not eating that cardboard but you know me I prefer it I prefer it I love it you know I love it it's just for me but you know you I believe that over time you your taste buds change because now there's certain foods that I used to just, you know, couldn't get enough of. And now I look at them or smell them. I go, you know, it's a whole different thing. And it's because I've been, I've been in the How program 14 years. I've been in these rooms since uh, 2000. So my taste buds have definitely changed. I can tell you that I hardly ever eat meat anymore. I stick basically to beans and soy and fish. I don't even eat chicken and eggs, very rare, and very rare beef at all. But that's, and I can't tell you, that's all I used to live on was, you know, barbecued meats and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Totally different. And, you know, sugar-free jello is my friend. (laughs) Thank you. And um, here's the next question. How do you make yourself a priority and have time to do program if you have major family crises going on around you? Mother in hospice, child with serious illness, my own serious health problems, I blame for not doing my program enough. (laughs) I can speak a little. Um, Just for me, you know, uh, one thing that comes to mind hearing that question is the day that um, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, the day of her memorial service, I got a call because I'm on the um, from Manteca and I'm on the list for you know I have my name on the website to call me um, if anyone wants some information on the OA how. So I got a call on the day that we were going to my mother-in-law's memorial service and this is God. This isn't me patting myself on the back, but it's just what a change God has done in my life through this program. And I took that call and I talked to, um, the guy on the other end and he had talked to me one other time before and, um, inquiring about the program. And so I was able to say, you know, um, you know, we're, on our way going somewhere right now. Actually, I'm going to the memorial service, but if you call any of these people, they will talk to you, and that's the way the family is. But um, so for some reason that just triggered in my mind. It's like it never shuts off. It's a part of me now, this program, and I know that normally I would say, you know, either ignore the call, which is always an option, or say, I'm really busy. I am going to my mother-in-law. Like, don't you know, you know, like we all have these big issues going on. 
Um, but God has changed my heart where it's like this, the 12th step is always reach out to the still suffering overeater. And he was still suffering. And, and when I think of it, when God helps me think of it like that, then I'm able to do it. Um, not putting myself first is ruining my whole program and everyone around me will be worse off because I'm crazy. Even just eating within a certain amount of hours, like for me, if I go further than six hours, I'm a monster. And then once I get food in me, better. And it's and it even makes me think, wow, what happened to me? So for me, when I joined this program, I was so excited because I knew that the deaths of my parents were coming if natural causes took them. And my kids were going to high school. I'm going to have four teenagers all four teenagers in the house at once. So I knew and 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 again not me 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 but God kept telling me this program is going to help you. So really that's how I I deal with my situations. I think that's the hardest thing I've ever done is to focus on myself. And it's still one of my hard, hardest things I do is eyes on Mary, eyes on Mary, eyes on Mary. If I can focus on me and not in a selfish way, but in a program spiritual way of knowing I'm a child of God and that I can't do anything about all those other people's stuff, I can be there for them. I can be supportive and loving, but I, you know, I, I have a real problem with helping people and fixing them. And it's something I've had to work hard on. I've, one of my greatest gifts I was talking to my sponsor about today is I think I've got a pause button that's working right now. I've always had a problem with not pausing and being impulsively saying something. And again, it's eyes on Mary, eyes on Mary, eyes on Mary. It's a mantra that my sponsor taught me because if I'm focused on me, then I'm focused on there's a solution. There's something in me that God's giving me that I can help somebody else with that. I, I understand there's a lot of, you know, I, I'm a drama queen. There's a lot of drama in all our lives, and there's always something to put first before my program. There always was. My mother was the same way. There was always something before her. I mean, she, I think there's something inherently we're raised that way, some of us women, you know, that we're taught that we have to take care of everything else and we come last. Well, nobody gets anything out of me that's of any value of kindness or sweetness or just just human nature unless I'm taking care of me first. And I don't mean I sit around and, you know, I'd like to do that, but I, ha- I mean, I, I sit around and know that I can't control all those other things. I want to, believe me, I want to, but I can't. And some people just aren't ready, I don't think, to get it because they think they still have to have all that drama and all that stuff going on. That's not who I am. God didn't, you know... I don't, I'm not all that stuff. It used to define me, all my family stuff and all my, you know, my issues and all that. I'm not, that's not who I am anymore. So, and I just want to say one more thing about the food, about what is the food plan. I really stress strongly it's between you, your sponsor, and a physician because there are people that can do whole grains or do, you know, wheat flour and not 100% whole grain, that's none of my business if it's working and they're abstinent. It's none of my business. I want to know what a sponsee's eating if they commit to it, but it's none of my business if the physician has given them that. But they're strict, and I don't like that word. There are very 
well-written guidelines for OA How Food. And one of the things I've had to give up this year is aspartame. I didn't want to give it up, but it, it gave up on me. It made me very physically ill. And, um, you know, there's nowhere on the food plan to say, I mean, Mona wouldn't be able to do that with Diet Jello because, you know, it's full of aspartame. I love it too, but I can't do it. So that's all. I'd like to say something about how I learned to put myself first. Visualize everyone. Be on the airplane and have the mask drop down and your child sitting next to you. What do you do? There it is. If you, It all begins with you. If you can't take care of you, what good are you to them? Thank you. Okay, I'm not sure who this is is meant for, but how did you stop waiting for the other shoe to drop? <laughs> Which shoe? Yeah. With the per- I don't get that question. I do, because I'm the one that said it. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's your question. You know, um, what I've learned about the other shoe to drop, it's because I, I grew up in an alcoholic house. And we always knew we had to have plan A, B, C, D, E. You had to be impulsive, fast, and just, you know, unafraid to go anywhere. You know, you had to impulsive, and that's what I learned to do. Uh, as far as, you know, coming in and, and still waiting for the other shoe to drop, well, I always thought that I, ne- I didn't deserve things. You know, that the life I thought uh, for always and forever I was going to be stuck in that. And as my life started to change because of my recovery and I changed, I no longer had that outlook. I no longer had that belief because what I believe is what I receive. I learned to believe that my higher power gives me everything I need today. And I don't need to be afraid. I've gotten over that fear. So I no longer wait for the other shoe to drop. Because I believe I deserve better or I believe what I get is enough. You know, because gratitude changes everything for me today. Thanks. What step do you find yourself doing the most? Yeah, one, two, and three on a daily basis, right? But um, I do a lot of the tenth steps, and I share that a lot with um, people. I, the one from the big book, um, the written tenth step, is a good one for me. And um, I never want to do them, but when I write them out, and when I first did it, um, you know, because you talk about what happened, and then you talk about your part, my part, and then you talk about what could I do differently. How does it affect me? Does it affect my self-esteem or um, ambition? To, and then it ends with a prayer. And when I first saw that, you know, or when my sponsor first said, you should do a 10th step on this situation with this person that's bothering you, um, 
I was mad because I'm like, shoot, I just wanted to write all about her, and this is all pointing right back at me. So, um, and then ending it on a prayer, how am I going to pray a mean prayer? I can't. So, um, yeah, I worked that one a lot also. Something just to add on to that is when I am dealing with um, someone or something that is driving me crazy, um, I will also just write out a mean letter, cussing letter, whatever, and then I shred it. And you know what? It takes it from me. So that's a good thing, too. What do you do with the hunger pain? I, my sponsor asked me today about getting hungry. I don't get hungry. I know that sounds crazy, but... Um, I was taught to do defensive eating. And what defensive eating is for me is eating exactly what I commit to and all of it, even when I don't want to, because sometimes it's way too many vegetables for me. Um, and I, I have really learned if I get hungry between meals, it's normally not physical hunger. It's emotional hunger. And I, I know I'm a Facebook nut, and I had something about, that on you know I sound a really cute little saying about that and I can't remember what it is but you know you know I'm my heart gets hungry my emotions get hungry but if I'm eating as I as I commit in the food plan physically I am not you know working out like you know like a athlete I work I just do the best I can exercise wise I have no reason to get hungry I do get hungry at night before I go to bed sometimes but you know a nice glass of tea or a big glass of water helps but um you know, because if I eat dinner early and go to bed very late, but for the most part, I, I just am blessed, I guess. I just don't get real hungry if I defensively eat all that I'm committing to. Do you have anything? One quick thing. I think um, for me, um, even though on our food plan it says gum, some pe- ca- I used to laugh because it says caution. Some people may have a problem with this. But um, gum for me. Diet soda, and um, I know there was a third one, but that's what I do. You know, when I'm hungry, I will chew some gum if it's not mealtime, or I will have a diet soda, sometimes water. I don't know why water is so hard for me to drink. I used to drink it all the time when I was overweight, thinking this is one great thing I'm doing. Um, But, uh, yeah, prayer. And the halt, you know, and ask yourself, am am I hungry? Angry, lonely, or tired. And usually that's it, what you were saying. How do you know if your sponsor is the right one for you? How do you know if they're the wrong one? (laughs) You know, my sponsor, when she came in, she tells the story about how she just grabbed the first person that was available and and I always thought, well, that was a weird choice because it was. Because it really was. The woman didn't have a lot, you know, she didn't have a lot of program. And actually, I don't know if she's still around. But if you're willing, if you're willing, I think, and you ask somebody, it can work out. But there, I think there are also a lot of boundary issues in sponsorship. And if you're having boundary issues with your sponsor, either side, because I certainly have boundary issues with the women I sponsor. I want to help tell them everything. I want to fix it all. 
Um, and I and they know that about me, so they help me push back. If, and, and if they can't push back, it usually doesn't work out. But um, and and I, how do I know it's the right sponsor? I was I was so willing. I was blessed. I had this woman in my life, but I was so willing. I've only had one sponsor, but. Um, it's a spiritual commitment. It's a big deal to me to sponsor other women and to be sponsored. It's not about, well, she didn't like the way I, you know, ate that bread or she didn't like this or that and just try. I mean, I see people sponsor trash all the time. They just go through them constantly. It's a spiritual thing for me. It's a very big deal. This a family business. It's about taking care of each other, loving each other, and helping each other and I if I think it talks about working things out amongst ourselves if you got a problem work it out because if you're not going to work it out with that person they're going to you're going to have to with the next one I know my sponsor is the right one for me um, I had moved to the valley like it'd be six years almost and I come from Alameda that was my home group and um, when I moved over there, I couldn't find how. And I don't know where the hell I was looking, but I couldn't find it. But anyway, um, what happened was that I finally found something to, work, to go for a meeting. And I got all the way over there. And I realized that it was a medical building. And I didn't have the, the number. And I broke down and I started to sob in my car. And I called my husband at work. Ah! Because by then I was crazy. I had already been here a couple of months, and I mean, I had even started thinking, well, maybe I should binge and purge, and, or maybe I should go back and do this and, and get back on this program and that program and exercise compulsively because I do all of that, you know. And I said, I must have something somewhere. And I went through all my stuff that I had, you know, boxes still. We were still in boxes. And lo and behold, there was this number that we had a phone list from um, Northern California. But there was a woman named Sue in Oakdale. And I said, Oakdale's close enough because I'm from Manteca. And I called her and we met for a meeting and she's been my sponsor ever since. And do I believe that that was my higher power working in my life? Yeah, betcha. Thanks. Those were all the questions, but there was someone who had a question and didn't write it down yet. Did you, do you still have a question? Okay. If no one has another question, we can uh, leave early. Oh, let's do that. I see a lot of smiles, so. Okay. Let's see. It is now time to close the session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Please stand and join hands as we close with um, the third step prayer. Myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. 
take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back, it works, and you work it, and you're working.